thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Man, thank you so much. You know what's amazing? You know, I look at that picture, and I think our kids are, have changed, but Nan and I haven't changed at all. It's, am, it's amazing, isn't it? For some reason, you laughed really hard at that, and that's uncomfortable. Man, thank you guys. Look, it, I can't believe 10 years have gone by that fast, but I will tell you this. One of the greatest honors of my life has been pastoring this church and uh, my hope is that, the next, that I'm doing it another 10 by God's grace. But I love the local church. I love the local church. The local church changed my life and my family's life. I am deeply committed to the local church. And I, I like to tell people I love the local church. I really love this one. I really love Three Circle. So honor my life that you would show up week after week and take this journey with us. And uh, we just, we love you. My wife and I love you. You have all loved us. You've loved our children. Um, this is home. It feels like to us, we've been here our whole lives. And so just can't thank you enough for that and giving me the honor of being a part of your life. And I do, I love what, I think we have a slice of heaven here at Three Circle and that's what we want. So from my heart, I love you guys and I'm very grateful to be your pastor. Thank you guys. So I thought it'd be appropriate today. It's amazing how God lines it up because at the beginning of the summer when we laid out the series, I wasn't thinking that this is the week that the 10 years would happen. And it's so appropriate that we would end, for me at least, in my ministry, my first 10 years with you guys and hopefully also kick off another 10 by God's grace by talking about the word of God today. So I remember when I first came here for my first time interviewing with the elders and we all got together, uh, we started to, you know, one of their questions was, what would you do here? What would be your vision as a leader? And I said, man, and, and I laid it out. I said, it's, it's that I would want to lead the church to love Jesus and the gospel and love the word of God. Those are the two big things for me. And I don't, I don't know what will happen with growth and I don't, you know, all of that will be some byproduct of us being intense about the gospel and the person of Christ and his word. And so it's so appropriate today that we would talk about the function and nature of the word of God in our lives in a way that my hope is, and I've been telling everyone this all day, my hope is that you will leave today loving the word of God more than you do now, a higher view of it, and a more accurate view of the function of the word in your life so that you'll want to interact with it. That's my hope. My, one of my favorite historical writers is David McCullough, and he died last week, which if you've never gotten into history, start with anything David McCullough's ever written. 1776 by him is a masterpiece on the Revolutionary War. And I was listening to an interview with David McCullough, and they were asking him, hey, how do you make people love history? How do you do it? And all these millions of people want to buy your books. And he said, the only way to make people love a subject is for you yourself to love it. You have to love it. And he talked about teachers. He said the teachers that are great teachers that make students love the subject are teachers that they themselves clearly love the subject and they can make others want to love it and follow it as well. And so for me, I'm just here to tell you, I love the Bible. It's a lifelong pursuit of mine to know the word of God and then to teach it and watch the light bulbs go off. I want you to love the word. I want you to love the Bible. I'm glad you love Three Circle and the way God is, is kind of reflecting his glory in our communities through this church, but we're not the only great church. There's lots of great churches. Here's what we really want. We want you to love Jesus and his word. I want you to become a lifelong interactor of the word. I want you to interact with it. A lifelong lover of the word of God, a lifelong student 
of the word of God is what I want for you in every one of our campuses. So today I hope to, to show you in another way why you should want to do that, okay? And, and here's the main point of today. I want to show you that the Bible tells us that the word of God is the water by which Jesus washes us once we become believers. That is my, uh, that's my point today for us. And I want that to make you want to interact with the word of God. And I'm gonna do that by first going to the Old Testament and then we'll jump to the new. So we're gonna go back into the Old Testament and see buried in the Old Testament in what we call those previews that were pointing to the main event of Christ and the culmination of the gospel and his redemptive work. Back in the Old Testament, tabernacles being built, all that, God's saying exactly how everything's gonna work and I want you to see this little detail, Exodus 30, 18. It says, you shall also make a basin of bronze and its stand of bronze, here's what it's for, for washing. You shall put it between the tent of meeting and the altar and you shall put water in it with which Aaron and his sons, which are gonna be the, the guys kind of leading the ministers, they're gonna wash their hands and their feet in that water when they go into the tent of meeting or when they come near the altar to minister to burn a food offering to the Lord, they shall wash with water so that they may not die. It's pretty important, right? Now, I th I've been reading this for weeks now preparing, and I think, I think I'm gonna add that addendum to the end of different things I say around my house. Like when I look at my kids and I go, hey, you guys clean your rooms before the end of the evening that you may not die. And let's just see how that goes. <laughs> That's got some punch, doesn't it, there at the end? Uh, alas, I'm going to let it just stay where it is here in the Old Testament. But I want you to see what's going on here. Right there, we get the idea that we need to wash. That even though Aaron and his boys, they all belong to God, they still need to wash to come and approach him. But this thing they're going to do in that basin of water is just physical water washing physical hands. And we understand with progressive revelation, the Old Testament's pointing to something greater. And you're going to see that Jesus is going to come and he's going to make a way for us to be washed in a different way. So write it down. This thing in the Old Testament was an outward physical symbol of an inward spiritual reality, just like our baptism is today, an outward physical symbol of an inward spiritual reality. So we saw them doing that in the Old Testament, and then Jesus comes and completes redemptive work on the cross for all believers, past, present, and future. And now something, something is more clear that wasn't quite as clear with that bronze basin of water. Look at Ephesians. And here in Ephesians, I want you, I want you to understand that Paul is talking about marriage here. Okay, and we had a great true marriage Friday night. It was awesome if you're here. Uh, so we are not going to talk about marriage right now. What we're going to do is extract from Paul's dialogue in Ephesians about husbands and wives. While he was talking about husbands and wives, he made a statement about Jesus and the word that we need to grab today. That I think is going to help us big time. All right, so let's look at it. He says, husbands, love your wives. And then he goes to Jesus. So a lot of people read this and they somehow confuse what we're about to read. And they think that's what husbands are doing for wives no, what he's doing now is he's going to tell you the example is what Jesus did for the church. And here's how Jesus interacted with the church. Watch. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's redemptive work. That's the cross. That's the death and the resurrection of Jesus that makes it possible for us to be believers. That is his redemptive work. Verse 28, that he might sanctify her. That's his ongoing work. 
So you've got a moment and a process right here. And how does that ongoing work of Christ in our lives work? Watch. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Okay, so now, here's, here you begin to see the Bible self-revealing to you something about itself. The Bible is telling you that this is what Jesus is going to wash us with. Now, let's talk about washing for a second, okay? Because here's the deal. When I was a kid, I used to wash cars to get a little money, okay? I would wash my grandparents' cars and, and anyone who'd let me wash their car. And back then, by the way, I think if you're my age and older, you will remember that car washes have changed a lot. Back in my day, here's what the car wash looked like. Do y'all remember this? How many of y'all remember that kind of car wash? You can't hardly find them anymore, but this kind of car wash required you to get out of your car and do some work. Y'all remember that? And you'd take your change out. You'd drop your change in. You'd hear the pressure hit that hose. And this hose would tear your leg off if you weren't careful, Right? <laughs> And how many of us have all experienced that dreadful moment when you've got half your car still has soap on it and that thing starts going bang, bang, bang. You're running out of time and you don't have any more change. How many of you have driven out of one of those with soap on half of your car because you ran out of change? Be honest. And see, the other thing is when you start, when you use this car wash, you get wet too. There's no way you're getting out of there dry. That thing is so strong, it sprays you as well. We all remember that, right? Kids today have no idea what we deal with, right? Kids today, when they go, let's wash the car, here's what it looks like now. Just roll through, listen to a podcast, maybe hit Chick-fil-A before you go through so you can have lunch and listen to a podcast while your car is waxed. They don't know what it's like to armor all, all the way around those tires. No, no, they just go, I'll have the tire shine as well. And it's all done. They walk out, car looks great. But that's not how we dealt with it, right? Now, here's the deal. When I was washing everyone's cars for them, though, I did it in their driveways. And you know what I used? Old school, baby. Bucket. The sponge and the water. And you know the thing about that bucket and that water is you got to change that water often while you're washing the car because before long, you're washing the car with dirty water right? It's the, the, the purity of that water matter. You know what I fear? I fear for believers today that we are washing our hearts, our souls, and our minds in dirty water all the time. My fear is, is that we are so weak and anemic spiritually at times because we're washing with dirty water. So instead of washing, because that's what Jesus is saying, that's what Ephesians is saying, that Jesus washes us spiritually over and over with his word, but too many of us are washing over and over again with, with sexual perversion in our cultures and on our screens. Or we wash our hearts and our minds and our souls. We're soaking in the bitterness and anger and outrage that's on social media all the time. And that's what, see, we have more inputs than any generation in human history right now. And yet, often we have 50 inputs of everything that's dirty in some way or another. And we're not going to the word to cleanse our hearts, our souls, and our minds. See, here's the thing about cars. When you go to the car lot and you buy your car, they wash that thing up for you, don't they? You leave and that thing is clean. It looks so good. And the reason is, is they want you to feel good about spending all your money on that car when you left. But how many of you know a week later it doesn't look that good, right? Birds fly over like B-52s bombing your car. Uh, dust from the road, dirt, 
It just happens. You, your car gets dirty. Now watch. So you're going to wash your car over and over again. Not because every time you wash the car, you're buying it all over again. You already bought the car. It belongs to you. You keep washing it because it's your car. You keep washing it because you're caring for the car. You're maintenancing the car. Same is true for people, right? How many of you take like one bath a month? If you do, don't raise your hand. No hands raised. No, no, we keep bathing, don't we? When our kids were little, I did the Superman with them. When they were little kids, like we turn the shower on, get you all soaked up, and then it would, Superman, they would do like this and take them under the water. You know, they hit 13, 14, they don't want to do that anymore. They're like, Dad, Dad, come on, man, let's bond. Dad, out, you know what I mean? No more Superman. But you know what? Here's the deal. We washed our kids daily. We gave them baths daily, not because every day I had to prove that they were still my kid. No, when they were born, watch this, they were physically born into our family. That does not have to happen again. But I do bathe them as kids, and now we make sure they take baths because we love them and because they need it and because we need it. We all understand physical hygiene. The problem is, as a church, we often don't understand spiritual hygiene. And we allow ourselves to stay with the dust and the grime of this world. And then we wonder why our hearts and our minds and our souls, which is our spiritual person, stays in such an anemic and weak state. And it's because we're not washing in the word. Write it down. The word is the water by which we are cleansed. Jesus told Peter this in a very famous instance. Uh, at the Last Supper, if you remember, Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples with water out of a basin. Do you see how the Bible progressively reveals? Everything those boys were doing in that tabernacle with that, bra that bronze basin now is, is Jesus is doing it for them. See, they had to wash themselves. Jesus then comes and washes us in his word. So he's washing. He comes to Peter. And you know, Peter's never, ever had a moment where he didn't have something to say, right? Every moment. So he looks at Jesus and says, you're not washing my feet. Jesus says, yes, I am. Watch this. Because if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Now, why did he say that? Because real Christians, one of the marks of a Christian, if you belong to Jesus, he's going to wash you. Just like any good, good dad, good mom would. He's going to wash you because he cares for you. He's going to wash you. So he's saying to Peter, Peter, those who belong to me get washed by me. You remember what Peter said? Just like this, so, so him. He's like, well, then wash me all over. I'm sure John's over there like, here we go. <laughs> you know, Matthew's like, he's almost done. Thomas is like, I doubt it. I doubt it. He's <laughs> I'm here all day. Here all day with you. <laughs> so Jesus looks at Peter and he says, no, I don't have to wash you all over because you're already clean. But I do need to wash your feet. Now, why do he say that? Why? Because the moment Peter believed in Jesus, in a sense, he was cleansed. That one-time cleansing that made him a part. He was born again spiritually into the family of God, and nothing would ever change that. But even kids born into families still get dirty, and loving families cleanse them. And what Jesus is saying is, I cleanse you once, and I keep cleansing you over and over again in my word. It's salvation and sanctification, and I am all in with you. You. That's how much I love you. So 
the washing of the word of God. That's how we bathe spiritually. Salvation's a moment. Sanctification is a process. It's a process. Jesus is still working on me. Jesus, I still have to have a spiritual bath. I think in the King James it would say to many of us, you stinketh <laughs> spiritually because you're not bathing spiritually. 1 John 1, 9 says this, if we confess our sins, and by the way, hit the pause button, you do know 1 John is not written to lost people. 1 John is specifically written to believers. It's written to Christians. So people who've already, they're, they're like Peter at the Last Supper. They've already been cleansed in Jesus. But he says, but something still has to happen. We need to keep coming to him daily for spiritual cleansing. He says, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and watch this, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our good shepherd loves us enough to dirty his hands with cleansing us. And what is the water he uses? What's the bucket of soapy water that he's using? His word. He uses his word to cleanse us spiritually. So we would say physical water, like a bath, removes physical impurities, while spiritual water, the word, removes spiritual impurities. That's how this works. And we need it. We don't need it just once. We need it daily. And many of us are like that. Many of us take a shower every day, and yet we read our Bibles every now and then. Okay? And so here's, so many times, and by the way, I don't want to shame anyone because shame's the worst motivator. Guilt's the worst motivator. So I'm, what I want to do is, is make you want to read the word. Like, I want you forever now, every time you open the Bible, to be able to say in your mind, you go, I'm taking a spiritual bath right now. This is a spiritual bath. That's what I'm doing. I'm not just learning, though you will. I'm not just becoming smarter theologically, but you will. All that's good, but, but what you're doing, the function is that every time I study the word, read the word, I am cleansing, God is cleansing me through his word. It's one of the functions of the word of God. I'm taking a spiritual bath. And my mind, heart, and soul needs a bath every day. I don't know about yours. Because let me tell you, when I don't get in the word, I know by that afternoon. Kind of like when you don't bathe, people are like, hmm. My kids all play sports, in particular the boys that come in from practice, and you're like, oh, whoa. You know, I grew up on a farm around cows. And I'm telling you right now, I have flashbacks often <laughs> when they come home from football practice. Like, get in that shower right now. But I think I'm that way spiritually. Man, if I don't bathe in the word, if, I'm, if I don't have Jesus washing me, you're going to know it. Man, you're snappy. Man, why are you, why are you so angry today? And I'll get angry about, like, I'll get real tense about the dumbest stuff. And my wife's the one that'll call me out, the woman God gave me. <laughs> She'll say, you didn't read your Bible today, did you? You had your quiet time this morning? Are you walking with the Lord? <laughs> and she's right. Got to take a spiritual bath. 
Every time you open the Word, I want you to have a high view of the Bible. And one of the ways to have a high view is not to just say it's a holy book, it's an uh, inerrant book, it is a fully inspired book. Those are theological. They matter, they're important, but I need you to interact with the Word for it to change your life. So I also want you to see not just a high view of what it is, I want you to have a high view of the way it works on you. And so I also want you to appreciate its work in your life. It is your spiritual bath that we need every day. So let's look at three things the Bible says about itself and how it functions in our lives that I think will be helpful today. Three things to make you want to read the word, to make you want to get up a little earlier or stay up a little longer, whichever way you need to do it or listen to it on your way to work, whatever way you take this bath. First, the word cuts. The word cuts. If you don't think water cuts, take a look at a picture of the Grand Canyon. That's a cutting that you can't even imagine. There's a company in Mobile, and one of their workers goes to our church. He brought me a rug one time that was made at this place. They cut everything with water. It is this hyper, hyper pressured water that cuts, they claim, more precisely than any blade can. And it can cut through anything that they put under it. That's incredible. Well, the Bible says that the word of God cuts spiritually on us. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active. I love this verse. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Folks, that's not just any ordinary book. That's doing deep surgery. A good friend of mine had had back problems for a long time. And they had tried everything they could uh, externally to change the situation. They had done therapy and they had tried all kinds of stuff. Massage therapy. Everything they could. And finally, after years of this, they came to him and they said, Hey man, I am sorry. You're going to have to have surgery. Your issue requires us going in. We just can't get it from the outside. And folks, that's the story of humanity. Those guys in the Old Testament washing their hands in that basin of water, the, the problem was deeper than that. That wasn't going to get it. So Jesus had to come and die in order to do the deep work and then continues to do that deep work on us in his word. So my friend had the surgery and they went in. And you know, surgery's not fun. It's tough. It's hard. And he had to recover from it. You know, it changed his life. It changed his life because they finally got to the problem and fixed it. The word of God does the same thing. Many of us are simply trying to change behaviors on the outside when we need God to do deep internal work in our hearts, in our souls. Only the Bible can do that, by the way. Only the word of God can cut that deep. And I'll tell you, sometimes it does cut, my goodness, have you ever had a quiet time and you got up and you thought, I just had surgery after that? If you've never had that happen, it's a real blessing. When you know, when you, when you close the word and your devotional and your notes, whatever, however you do it, and you get up and you think, I will never be the same. How many of you have ever had your time in the Bible and you got up and you said, I will never be the same after that? That's an experience I want every person here and at every campus to have. That's what I hope for you. The word of God cuts. It also reflects. The word of God reflects. It's a mirror. So it's not just a knife 
with water. It's a mirror, just like you walk to a lake or a pool and look in and it'll reflect. The, the word of God is a mirror. Look at what James 1, and 24 says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For if he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. This is amazing. The Bible is the perfect mirror. And let me tell you what a mirror does. A mirror tells you the truth, not what you want to hear sometimes. You know what's happened to me before? I've looked in the Bible, and the Bible has, like a mirror, shown me that I was a jerk. I'm just being honest with you. Can I be honest with you this morning? Like it said to me, you're the problem. Wait, you know, I went to the Word going, I'm going to pray for, for Nan. I'm going to pray for my wife. Where's that stuff about husbands and Ephesians and wives? Find that. And then when I stop all of that and I look in the Word, the Word of God starts doing surgery. I said, no, no, you, you were the issue there. Wait, I didn't want to hear that. See, sometimes we can, we can not listen to the mirror, but the mirror tells you the truth. I, I laugh about the difference in men and women in marriages. You know, my wife, who's gorgeous, will look into a mirror, and for some reason she sees everything that she thinks needs to change or whatever. But guys are different. Look, I can eat right for two weeks, drop a pound or two, look in a mirror and be like, not bad. <laughs> Well done, good and faithful servant. Nana walked by, what you think, baby? Boy, God blessed you, didn't he? Really blessed you. That's looking in the mirror and not hearing the truth, right? See, the mirror of God's word tells us the truth, but the problem is many of us don't look into it. We don't look in the word, maybe because it is too uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, you need to look into it. You need to look in the mirror of God's word because it can change your life. And that brings me to the next thing. You know what a good mirror and a good surgery can do? It can set you free. The word of God releases. That's what the Bible tells us in the next verse. Because James first gives you a negative, then he gives you a positive. On the negative side, he says, there's too many people that haphazardly look into the word of God and they don't listen to it. They go to church and they don't change. They just inconsistently even look into the mirror. But he says, those who look in the mirror and listen, look what happens. The one who looks into the perfect law and look how he describes the mirror now. It's the law or the mirror of liberty. This is a mirror that'll set you free. It's not holding you back. God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to help you. The one who looks into the perfect law, which is a law of liberty and perseveres, meaning you keep looking, you keep coming to it. You keep taking this bath. Here's what will happen. If you won't forget what you see and you'll be a doer of the word, you will be blessed in your doing. It's a guarantee. This will change you. In fact, in a, at the end of my message, someone's going to come out and tell you about a, just a seven-day thing that we're going to do, that we're asking you to do. I'm going to do it with you. It's a seven-day study in the word because we've done things that's like a year long, and I think sometimes people don't even start because they go, I can't do a year. So we're going to do seven days. Here's what I believe. I believe that if you will do the seven days with me, that you'll then want to do more. Because those seven days are going to have such an impact on your life. You're going to look in that mirror. You're going to have Jesus doing surgery on your heart. And it's going to change you. And you're going to be like, my goodness. why have You know, I've never had someone come to me and say, 
I wish you would have never taught me into reading my Bible. I've been reading the Bible for years, and it's a waste of my time. You know what I have people say to me? Man, I wish I would have started being a student of the Word earlier. I wish I would have been reading the Word and studying the Word my whole life. Like the person who finally has the surgery that says, should have done it years ago. The word releases. It's the word of liberty. It sets us free. Finally, let me warn us today. Proximity to the water does not equal washing with the water. Having a Bible doesn't mean you're taking a bath any more than having a shower in your house means that you're taking a shower. Folks, you got to interact with the Word. And don't interact with the Word once and six months later try it again. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing that we need to make a part of our lives. Buying a gym membership doesn't get you in shape. I wish it did. That'd be easy. $30 a month, you don't even have to come in. No, that's not how it works. You got to buy your membership and then go pick up heavy stuff. And not just one time. You don't go in and do one workout and you're like, Boom, did it. No, you got to come back in the next day and the next and the next and the next. In the same sense that when you bought your car, you didn't wash it one time and go, done, never have to do that again. In the same sense that when you brought a baby home, you didn't wash that baby once and go, it'll be fine for another year or two. And Lord, we hope that you don't do that with yourself. I'll take a bath every now and again. No, man, we know better. We know better. But spiritual hygiene, now that's where I think maybe many of us are missing. And I don't want you to feel bad about it. I want you to see that it doesn't have to be that way. I want you to see that the bath of the word awaits you. The wonders of the Bible, the, the surgery that will change you forever is available to you, to me. So wash in the word. As we come to a close here, we look at Psalm 119.9. So this is David talking. He doesn't even have the full revelation of God. He's got the Old Testament, most of it. But he writes this. And this is a man who knew what it was like to get sideways. You know how I said, if I don't read the Bible by the afternoon, I know it. I know I hadn't had my spiritual bath. Well, David evidently got off track. We all know his story famously. So he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? Pure. Here's how. By guarding it. According to the word of God. There's no other way. The New and Old Testaments are in agreement. So today to end my first 10 years at Three Circle and hopefully to begin the next 10, I can't think of a more appropriate way for me today not to talk to you about vision and what we want to do next and how many campuses we want to have. Because if you ask me that, I'll go, I don't know. Whatever God wants, I don't know. This is what I want. If I could do anything, if today's the last day I stand on this stage and stand behind this pulpit, this would be my hope, that you would love Jesus and his word and that you would begin a lifelong interaction with the word of the Lord. I'll pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much. Because Lord... Daily washing in the word is a key to the Christian life. Daily washing is a key to the Christian life. May we grab that key and never let go. 
thank you for this church and thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.